Traveling the Vortex. Someone knocking at the door. Somebody ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door. I let him in. We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode number 329. And who doesn't love insects? They're interesting. I'm Keith. I don't love them. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. But don't you find them interesting? Not really. Oh. So you I, shouldn't I go no to the insect museum at K-State. I have no problem with insects. Or the insects they, do, they, I guess. They like me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic to most of them, so it's like, oh, just get yeah. away. Don't. Oh, yeah. And Mel's very frustrated, because she's like, would you like to go to the lake this weekend? No. That's outside. <laughs> but you can go play for disc golf. No, that's outside. That's why you smell so much of repellent when we do go play disc yep. golf. Oh, I bathe in it. <laughs> oh, he does. He's, oh, he's, he's covered and in, he, in he deep. Does, he puts the uh, dryer sheets in his socks, too. And yeah, everything. that's yeah. right. Yeah, forgot every, about that. Every little trick he can think of to uh, avoid the bugs. I bring citronella candles. I've got, like, flares. <laughs> <laughs> it's like myrrh and frankincense, and he's just swinging it around <laughs> the entire time. I'm, I'm waiting. I've got a, I've got a frankincense lot. Frankincense deet. Yes. <laughs> I got a guy that might be able to get me the old school, the nasty stuff that they've banned from every civilized country in the world. Oh, like, no, uh, we'll give you cancer. Guess what? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna get I'm not getting a bug reaction this weekend at all. Oh, I've got cancer, but I'm not getting a I bug reaction this week at all. I'm going to get some of that. Oh, Did you guys have a good week? Yes. Yes. Me too. <laughs> I don't remember the darn thing I did beyond today, but... <laughs> we finished the Harry Potter books. Finally. Finished. Finished. Wow. And watched the movies. Rewatched the, the final two movies. I'll give the movies this. The f- battle with Voldemort is much more climactic <coughs> in the movie than it is in the book. Although it's more satisfying in the book. Yeah, I think that's where I come down on it is, yeah, visually, it's probably... And there's a lot, there's, it's more drawn out, and it's not yeah. so oh, quick yeah, and over right. with as it was in the book. Because in the book, it was like one final chapter, and then bam, it's done. Do- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is more satisfying in the book, though. Yeah, it definitely was. Well, and there's so much more nuance, and you s- see Fred's death, which is much more... There's there's so much more weight to it in the book. Yeah, I know that was that was my only disappointment about the film was the Battle of Voldemort. But I and, and I but I knew why they did it. I, oh yeah, I'm fine with. It. I just love the sixth book so much that I was really glad the that sixth they, book was, or the seventh book. Seventh book, sorry. <laughs> I love the seventh book so much, but and I was so <laughs> really glad. That's the only film that I was glad they split in, split into two parts. Yeah, but it's so then funny they the started a precedent, and everybody felt like they needed to split their last book into two parts. Yeah, well, or more. Yeah. It's kind of funny in the first movie of how they're introducing people that should have been around for like several movies. <laughs> yeah, the beginning of it, it's like, oh, here's Bill. We yeah. should know him and why he's so scarred up, right. but we don't. Here's right. M- Mundungus and why we don't really like him and don't trust him. But you know, you don't need to know about that. Nope. The books are obviously far superior. Yes, we got the Winnie the Pooh library for, as part of the baby shower. Hmm. It's not the entirety of the of the A. A. Milne stories, but it's a, most of them. I think he only wrote like what 115 poo books. I think it's less than that. Actually. Really? I think I there think. was only two actual books. Oh, I thought yeah. there were more than that. I, I know there's two uh, books, 115 stories. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there's 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 quite a few stories. There's at least ten in this box set. 
So we worked through all those, and those were really enjoyable. It's been a long time since I've read any of those, and Sarah had never read any of them. So she really enjoyed most of them. I've got them on my shelf back home. Or back home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> back home. Uh, at home, but I don't think I've read them for several years. Because it's just like Winnie the Pooh and House of Pooh Corner. Mm-hmm. And then there's like one where he's introduced in When We Were Young. And mm-hmm. I think there might be one after House of Pooh Corner. I think there is, yeah. But this kind of hits the highlights. It's got Tigger coming and Kanga coming and Pooh Sticks and uh, the Honey Tree and all, all, all of the big highlights that pretty much ma- the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh hits. Yeah. And then some additional ones that you probably aren't as familiar with. <laughs> some of them Sarah just found absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I don't know if just because she was really tired or what, but she, <laughs> she just really laughed at them. Hormones. <laughs> Who knows? Pregnancy hormones. I'm just glad she enjoyed them. We watched a ton of stuff with our, our time off. We uh, we I, told, I think I told you we finished Next Generation, and then we watched Generations. Hmm. Uh, so much wrong with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then we started Deep Space Nine. And we are, I don't know, seven or eight episodes into that already. And Mel's thoroughly enjoying it. I'm just giddy. I'm beside myself giddy. I enjoy Deep Space Nine so much. Oh, it's so good. And all the characterization and the characters and, you know, Garrick shows up. I'm like, yeah, there's Garrick. I just, it doesn't matter. Plot does not matter for me at all on that show because the people are, interestingly enough, I will watch them do something. That's just, just the way it is with that one. We watched La La Land. What'd you think? Meh. I think it was overhyped for you. I think it was overhyped. Had you had seen it before the whole kerfuffle, it might have well, struck higher with you. It's not even that. It, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it for what it was. It's it's a very bright, colorful, fun movie, and the music's good. I just got the soundtrack from the library, but I don't like the songs. I, when I go to a musical, when I see a musical, I want something I can sing along with, and some of them obviously I've seen a hundred times, so those are easier to do, but. It's. It doesn't. The songs they sing and they advance the plot, but at no point in time does it feel like a song that I'm going to break into at any moment, which I've done with other musicals. And it's. It's just that, kind that, of that is a valid argument, and I wonder if that is partially because in my mind it's not so much a musical; it's a movie with some songs in it. It's more of a song and dance film. Yeah, it's that's a, a, that's more, a valid it's, way to it's look at it. It's a bit more in line with Gene Kelly films than a musical. Yeah, that's a valid way to look at There's it. There's a lot more dancing than there is singing. Even on the soundtrack, there's really only six songs with lyrics to it, and like one of them is repeated three times. <laughs> so it's kind of, hmm, all right. But it, I really enjoyed it. But I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a tad too long, and then the ending. And that's... I don't want to spoil it, but that's really what soured me on it. Oh. Because if you're going to make me sit through this to get to that, it was like, nah. I like the fresh approach to it with the ending. Nope. Glenn still hasn't seen it. Nope. Nope. I showed up on iTunes, and I looked at Holly and said, we should watch that. And she said, tonight? And I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not tonight, but sometime. That was at like 1 o'clock in the morning. There was no way she was going to get through it. Did go see Guardians of the Galaxy (laughs) Volume Volume 2. Do we want to sound that spoiler horn and talk a little bit about it? Or well, can we well do I, it didn't, I didn't do anything other than work in the yard. And eh, we know about you. My sister and I, pl- <laughs> or we're planning my parents' 50th anniversary. So we finally got oh. together this weekend. And, oh, we've got invitations out. And Haven't they already had that? No, not yet. It come, or the, the May 21st is their anniversary. We're having the, no, May 20th is their anniversary. We're having the anniversary party on the 21st. What was the last one you threw a party for them for? I haven't yet. <laughs> 
We've been doing this one for a year, planning this one for a year. So maybe that's I'm getting a real deja vu Could off be. Of this. Yeah, no. Well, I th- maybe I've talked about it before, but now we're down to the getting the decorations and the food and everything. So we did that this week. And it's a surprise, or do they know? No, they don't. They oh. don't. Well, they know now because they listen. Nah, right? They don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah, we went and saw Guardians yesterday. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two yesterday. What'd you guys think? I liked it. That's I liked good. it a lot too. <laughs> I was so happy. I'm glad to see Yondu get a much bigger part. Yeah. Well, uh, spoiler alarm, by the way, because I think we're probably going to end up inadvertently anyway, talking about some of the spoilery parts of the film anyway. So, because there's so much of it that's so good. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert from this point out, we will talk Guardians Volume 2. If you haven't seen it, you may want to skip forward. <laughs> I thought everybody had a bigger part. I thought so too. I was really impressed with the way that. For a film that added so many additional new characters, it really felt like everybody had a bigger role. Oh, and especially... Yes, until the end. Uh, yeah. I really feel like everybody sort of shoved aside to give Yondu his moment. Uh, other than Peter, and to some extent Rocket and Groot. But I, I really felt like, as everybody was going back to the ship, uh, Gamora and uh, don't get me wrong I agree with you 100% that everybody felt like they had more of a role but I think that was my only it wasn't even a problem with it but that was one of the things that I kind of wished they had they're the guardians of the galaxy they work as a team I wish they the resolution had been more of a team effort yeah it seemed like, like once, once the first one yeah once we got to the bottom of what had to be done Drax is sent back to the ship with with uh, Mantis and Gamora and Nebula, after resolving their little thing, having their moment, are back on the ship, and it's almost like they're waiting, and I, you know, for the big thing to happen. And that that bothered right. me a little bit was that now because of what they did with Yondu in that situation, that was fine. It worked because that's that that's why I still love the film and I think it was great. But I, I wanted, I kind of wanted another moment where the, the joining hands moment and and you know, defeating Ronan in the first film. That was like the highlight of the film for me. Hmm. That's left out for this one in order to give Yondu that moment that he gets. So, But you get that moment at the beginning. Well, it's true. In one yeah. of the greatest opening scenes. I think, I think that's why they do that at the beginning. Because they knew what yeah. was going to come at the end. And especially since they split them off decently early in the film, too. Yeah, that was the only thing that felt wrong to me about the film. But I loved it. I thought it was great. It was... It was great fun it was the the soundtrack was used even better in this one and i didn't think that could be possible (laughs) i'll agree with you all the way down to the 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 one song being used as a way to explain to peter why his dad left i mean he uses the lyrics of the song (laughs) it was that was that was that was grand i loved that I, I, i love how the movie in addition to being fun had much more depth yeah, and much more emotion than the first film. I think it needed yeah. to because as great as the first film is, it's kind of lacking depth and yeah. any emotional resonance. And yeah. this one has it in spades for almost every character. It's yeah. so much. Uh, I I would argue a better film as far as character driven. It really is aspects. I, I see a lot of people posting that they didn't enjoy it as much as the first one. Sarah didn't have as much fun watching it as the first one. See, the only thing I can come up with is maybe because by the time the first one came out, there had kind of been that Marvel pattern that had been established. So you kind of knew what you were getting into. And then Guardians came in and was different, and it was weird, and it was quirky and fun, and everybody was kind of like, 
what? I mean, even, even the trailers were just so vastly different from everything we've had before. So now that you've seen that one, oh, I'm going to see that again. I'm going to get another... But you you don't quite get that same feel off of it because no. you know what to expect now. It's almost a little bit more of a grown-up Guardians of the Galaxy. In a well, way, but it's just as good, I if think not you can better. argue that this kind of followed the Marvel format, Oh, it's, it's totally the yeah. Winter Soldier to... Which is... First Avenger. Which is probably not to its benefit because the first one was so drastically different from anything Marvel had done. I don't fault it for that, but I can see where a lot of people's argument is that. It feels like it fits more in the format of a Marvel film. But what's interesting to me, though, is that... uh, But I love the format of Marvel (laughs) films. I can do them all that way, and I'm fine with it. I'll never complain about that. This is the best Marvel sequel. Uh, At least of all the twos. This is the strongest two of uh, any Winter of Soldier. Winter Soldier, yeah. See, I, now, I, uh, now, I was the guy the, that didn't like Winter Soldier. Wait a minute, there's, there's, well, well, that that's true. Like it, but there, but there's two ways to place that. Yeah. Did I like Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two better than Winter Soldier? Perhaps. Is it a better number two? No, by by far a better number two to its pre- predecessor is Winter Soldier. Mm. It's a kind of a shame that it takes so long to make these films because I love this universe this galaxy that they're setting up and establishing it's such a rich atmosphere that i feel like there's so many different things that they could explore just in so many different movies and it's kind of a shame that it's all right now we got to wait another however many years and, two or three years yeah which because well, you're not going to you don't get a sense of how broad the scope is with yeah. any of the rest of well, them. Well, you get you Peter in probably the will a little Infinity bit in Wars. The, yeah, we, we do get the Quill's Guardians. Quill's going to show up. We, we, I think we get more than just Peter. Is it just more than Peter? I think it's I, the whole Guardians. I had read that the only one that's coming is Chris Platt. So. Oh, I don't know. I fig- By the way, I've got this figured. This is what I want. Are you ready for this? So Infinity War comes out, Thanos comes, and I want him to beat all of the Avengers senseless. I just want every hero to go up and, and team up and fail miserably. And all of whatever else needs to happen, fine. We get to the end of the second film, or however this is going to work out, when he's eventually going to be defeated. But I want him to wipe everybody out and be gloating. And then I want Nebula to come out of nowhere and just run him <laughs> through and walk off. It'll be like, that's my moment. That's what I want. You, I love, you won't get that. You know I why? won't. But you know why? Because it's called The Avengers. I know. <laughs> it's not called Guardians of the Galaxy. I have a feeling. I don't even want a, the guardians to win. Very, I want her to do it. Well, I, she's a guardian now. I mean, yeah. Which I'm glad they did that. That was a neat. That was a neat nexus to do that. Yeah. In fact, I really liked her storyline. When they kept the showing movie. her in clips with them all the time, I kept thinking, Is she going to show up and be a guardian at the beginning? Because I don't want that. So the way that they they weaved that into the mm-hmm. story that worked. Oh, well, and the way really they weaved well. Yondu into the story yeah. worked yeah. really well too. Although Yondu's always been a Guardian Galaxy well, for me, I mean, again, I yeah. I don't I, of all of the Marvel properties, the most I'm most I'm unfamiliar with is Guardians because I didn't read much of them. Mm. I when they would show up in other people's comics, I knew who they were, knew of them, and knew, but but I did know enough that Yondu's always been sort of a Guardian of the Galaxy, yeah. so I knew they were going to get there eventually. Yeah. Nebula, I wasn't quite sure <laughs> until I saw previews and went, don't just dump her in there. You got she's got there's a lot of baggage there. And they dealt with that baggage they did perfectly. Deal with that baggage. And Karen Gillan was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, yeah, much yeah. better in this one than she was in the last one. Well, she got more to do. And I, well, there are moments in the first movie where they give her some comedy. Some not, not it's not broad slapstick, but they give her some comedic moments that fell flat for me. I keep I, every time I watch it, I think, uh, Dad, that 
joke just didn't quite work there. It didn't quite work. Works there. Everything else was working great, but her this time, her little bits of comedy were handled perfectly. Mm-hmm. And when I say comedy, it's she's not a comedic character. It's not a funny part, but everybody always gets those little lines that are you you laugh yeah. at, and she got them and she nailed them this time. And so I was very pleased with that. Drax was awesome. Drax was even better. He was even better. Yeah, I mean, just that's the thing. Everybody, just the tapestry felt so much richer, despite this, you know, being very Peter Quill heavy, which is, you know, that's the plot, as we're we're figuring out who Dad is and all that. But it just, like I said, it just felt like everybody had an expanded role. Everybody had something to do. Everybody got a moment. And Baby Groot is the cutest thing ever. Oh my God! Baby Groot and used well. Baby it wasn't Groot overused. I was a little worried about that, and Baby Groot was used awesome, and he was used just enough. Yeah. And then I got to the end of that movie and thought, I don't want more Baby Groot though. That was the perfect and amount of Baby Groot. And then we get the one scene, and I went, Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And all five cutscenes. My goodness. We'll have to wait and see what Thor Ragnarok's like, but I'm a little worried that now Phase 3 is the giant floating head fight. The villain's a fu- giant floating head. Doctor Strange, this... Oh, yeah, I guess that's oh, right. Oh, I, I didn't think about that. Civil War yeah. and Spider-Man are kind of the exceptions. I, I, find, I couldn't figure out where you were going with that, but I'd forgotten about that, yeah. At the end of Doctor Strange. So I guess uh, Infinity War and Thor Ragnarok will kind of be the terminator factor. Yeah. <laughs> and Stan Lee... <laughs> and confirmation Possibly of the theory. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I liked is that they went there with that. I mean, not even necessarily confirmation that he is a watcher, but at least he's at least the watchers. At least the watchers are over that. <laughs> well, and he's it's connected. The theory connects well enough. That, yeah. I mean, they connected that well enough to the theory. You know, James Gunn was online and went, "Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to do it." And then there was this one time when I was, or and then that time I was the Federal Express or FedEx driver. And then there was this one time, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's perfect." <laughs> Uh, Sean Gunn even had more to do in this one. Yeah, yeah he did. Right. Yeah. Every just across the board, I, there's not a part of the, not a part of this that I was not flabbergasted with at how much. One it was of the, one other thing that I really appreciated about it was, of course, I didn't dive into it too much uh, before the movie, but I didn't feel like they gave so much of it away in the trailer. Like yeah, so I much agree. of the trailers yeah, were I that agree. first fight with the monster, which we wind up not even really seeing. Well, and even the and then some of the action stuff that's later in the film, it's such small snippets in the trailer. The whole group, the, the whole group button thing. Yeah, I thought, oh, they've given a lot away what's going on, but it they, it was really framed differently. I mean, it was still the same scene. Yeah, but, but it was, was framed much differently this time. Yeah, although I did, they did telegraph to me that's where we we're going to see that scene. <laughs> so yeah. I knew that scene was going to be coming a lot. A lot further down the the road. Uh, I did like the reunion of Tango and Cash in this film. So, <laughs> <laughs> even though they don't have any interaction together, <laughs> how did they uh, uh, youngify Kurt Russell for that opening? Just like they did um, Michael Douglas for yeah. Ant Man. Man, that was impressive. <laughs> that was. It was even better done and longer. It was the Thing era, Kurt Russell, with <laughs> long flowing locks in the breeze. Oh, and, and I got another Howard the Duck. Yeah, I want a Howard the Duck movie so bad. Uh, and another Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo yeah. too. I want a Howard the Duck movie so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think if anybody should do it, it should be James Gunn. Who is playing the big uh, ugly guy, Taserface? That, that is the guy it? from This Is Us. I forgot his name. 
he sounded familiar to me, but the, saying he's the guy from This Is Us doesn't help. Taser. Have, have, you, have you watched This Is Us at all? No. Okay. So. Did you Is that wake all he's up in? in the he's not in anything else that I would he, recognize. He him might have done other stuff. That's the only thing I recognize him from. He woke up in the morning, looked in the mirror, and said, I'm going to go buy a taste. Chris <laughs> Sullivan is his name. Chris Sullivan. I guess I don't recognize him. He was in The Drop, Imperium, Morgan. Nope. He was in Stranger Things. He was Benny Hammond, whoever that was. Benny. I think he might have been the diner dude? Yeah, I think that was Benny, yes. The guy in the diner. Uh, M. Debo doesn't have pictures of Benny. Uh-huh. Well, he looked familiar to me, or he sounded familiar to me, but he looked familiar to me. He sounded familiar to me, so I don't know. Of course, I immediately ran and downloaded the soundtrack when it became available on Spotify and put it in my thing, and I just like, too. yeah. Yep, definitely the diner dude. I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop, and... Yeah, no, don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy with it, but I wasn't quite as happy with it as the first soundtrack. Just See, the, I like this. But what you said about the songs were used better... Yeah. And utilized in better places, yeah. I, I didn't think you could top the first one with how the mar- the, the songs were married to the images, but you did. It yep. was it was a much better flow, and it made me appreciate. Not that I didn't like it, but I, it made me appreciate the music better after I saw the film. The funny thing yeah. is, I downloaded the soundtrack too, and I went, "Oh, it's really." I don't know if I really like it as well as I like the first one, but I kept listening to it, kept listening to it, and then I grew. The songs to, are a bit I, more subdued. Well, I grew to I grew them. to like it better. I think probably because I'm more familiar, or yeah. I know all. I knew pretty much all the songs in the first one. I think I'm more familiar with the songs on this one, but I still wasn't sure I liked it as well, and I couldn't tell if it's because I had listened to the first one, you know, so, so much. much. And I grew to love it more and more and more, and I think I now like it slightly better than the first one, at least before I went to see the film. Then after I saw the film, I noticed when I listen to it now, because all of that imagery goes into my head, I like this one better now. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely like this one better now. And I think it's kind of funny that, uh, uh, of course, I subscribed to just about everybody who put out a, this is what we think the Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 2 should have on it after the first one came out. Like oh. Entertainment Weekly, everybody did a, well, based on the eclectic nature and the time frame and the this and the fact that these songs weren't necessarily number one hits, but they were real popular, this is what we think would be on it. And I downloaded all of those and put them in my queue because it was like, yeah, I'll just listen to 70s music nonstop for you know the next two years. <laughs> all of them had Brandy by Looking Glass. <laughs> and then that one shows up. And I was like... <laughs> because I have, to, I have to agree with Russell. This is probably the pinnacle of human musical achievement is that song. I love that song like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And it, that's as good as it ever got. And I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Bowie or Queen. It doesn't matter. Brandy looking glass that's as good as we ever did i have to ask did anybody hear fox on the run in the actual film itself i know it was played heavily in the trailer it was the trailer song but i don't uh, remember hearing it Kate, caitlin loves the song but then we walked out there and she goes i didn't hear fox on the run and i said yeah she goes that's the one in the trailer right and i said yeah it's definitely the one in the trailer well, there but was I, a bowie song there in might one have the trailers been a, that wasn't on that soundtrack that's either. true um suffragette city was yeah, on yeah, the trailers yeah. city wasn't though so yeah, I was kind of right. disappointed it didn't make it in the film either. Yeah, and of course Nathan Fillion's cameo got cut. Oh, did it? What was his cameo? I don't know. It was a post-credit scene, I think. Uh, so there was going to be a sixth one. <laughs> we have five. I'm sorry. He could have easily have said, "Why well, was one of the watchers?" Well, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, great stuff. If you haven't seen this movie, did you see it in 3D or regular? Regular. Did you see it in 3D? Uh, I did not. Glenn, did you do 3D or regular? 
Just regular? Okay. I saw it got a 30 out of 35 from Cinema Blend, so we didn't bother. Okay. I, there were m- several moments in the film that I thought, oh, that's intended for 3D. <laughs> Drax going into the <laughs> yeah, into the, mall. And the, the arrow coming at the screen, and yeah, there's a lot of those moments. The arrow sequence. <laughs> I felt that the uh, jumps would have looked cool. And oh yeah, yeah. I bet that entire end sequence would have been pretty impressive Probably. on Ego. Oh, and that was my my favorite thing was that one pullback where they actually showed the face on the planet. Oh, <laughs> because I don't know anything about anything, but I recognize that, and I went, oh. That's the picture that's been posted with every single article of Kurt Russell's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy, and here's who he's playing. I kept thinking, how are you going to pull this off? I didn't think they were actually going to do it. I didn't, either. I didn't think they would either, and I thought, how are they going to pull this off and really make it? Because you got to get that movie-going audience that doesn't read the comics. How are you going to pull off? Now, he did have a, a corporal body in the in the comics as well i believe and he did it was the same idea but i kept yeah. thinking I, I just don't know that that's gonna sell to your average and then they pulled it off and i went okay <laughs> james gunn knows what he's doing <laughs> he assumed they accept a talking raccoon and a talking tree <laughs> this won't you be can, an issue <laughs> once you can sell a talking raccoon and, talk, and holly said the, she's the first thing she said you know she because she likes the first movie she liked this one too um the first thing she said was after we were done showing her guardians of the galaxy she goes I didn't think I was going to like a talking raccoon, but they sure made it work. <laughs> well, and that's the argument. If anybody tries to complain about something in it, it's, you're okay with the talking tree and raccoon? <laughs> yeah. But not this, really? That's the funny thing is I, I, I watch Rocket, and maybe, again, it's just the, the, the beautiful nature of the writing or how they've put him together. I don't hear Bradley Cooper. Oh no, not at all. I just absolutely not. He is. I think it's because he's embodied it so well. I he's think just that, an entity. Yeah. I mean, Rocket is Rocket, and yeah. I keep listening for Bradley Cooper, and I don't hear him at all. Knowing it's Bradley Cooper, I still can't marry that image to to the raccoon. I can't do it. Yeah. I... Or Vin Diesel as Groot. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this time around. Yeah. <laughs> well, they must have had to do some voice manipulation this yeah. time because he sounds like a little. I like to think that in the recording studio they just had a tank of helium. But <laughs> I'm sure they didn't. But Sarah now really wants a baby Groot with suction cups like an old Garfield to stick in the back window. Because <laughs> of that scene where he's looking out over yeah. the stars and everything. What I really liked, and this was in the trailer too, and I've liked it since I saw it in the trailer, was the whole, in the beginning with that big action scene where they're fighting the big octopus thing. I can't remember what they're called. And uh, he's standing over there. It's... it's it's so very baby-like because while well, he's dancing and everything and he's doing his thing and then Gamora goes, Groot, get out of the way. You're, you're going to get hurt. And, and then he, he waves. waves and she goes, hi, like you would to a baby. I mean, you just would do that to a baby. Yeah. And she pulls it off. Hi. <laughs> it's just, and the fact that every that one of them takes turn taking care of him. Yeah, yeah. That they're, that they're all his parents. Except, yeah. for, except for Drax until the end. Until and the end, he gets yeah. that moment. Yeah. yeah. That's who he goes to to sleep. It's yeah. just <laughs> even with Drax landing on the on the ground and and group dancing and then stopping like he does in the, <laughs> the end scene of the uh, first movie, he stops and when uh, Drax looks at him, then he starts to move again and, Dra- <laughs> and Drax looks at him again and he freezes. I thought that was a nice nod to that scene in yeah. the first movie. Yeah. All right, let's go. Anyway, so move. much, so much awesome, so, so much awesome. awesome. Moving on, put with your seatbelt on. <laughs> He's sitting there <laughs> out of his pots. Did you notice that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Two thumbs way up. Way up. Way up. 
Shall we move on to news? Let's move on to news. And spoiler warning. And spo- we really didn't spoil much, no, if we really anything. Didn't. Good on us. Yeah. Big Finish has announced that Torchwood's going to come back again. So oh. they've announced a new audio line. It's, but this is going to be Series 5. The first Torchwood proper, the first major Torchwood post-Miracle Day. So everything else they've kind of done along has skirted around and not going beyond Miracle Day. And this is going forward with James Goss as a writer and producer and got RTD's approval. Yeah. More than that. An endorsement. He's, he's part of it, isn't he? He's been. He's listed uh, as an executive producer yeah, or something. Yeah, which well, could just mean that I'm he sure signed off on it. I'm sure they gave him a title for signing off on it. There, yeah. there was a quote from Goss who said, RTD was, I forget he's how been, exactly it was he's worded. He's been wonderfully involved in the continuation of Torchwood. We came up with some characters and yeah. ideas, and he was very kindly and politely said, Marvelous! But no, how about. So That's they didn't like Don't what he liked. It. Yeah, do this instead. <laughs> and so pretty much gave them the storyline to go forward of what he would have done, I think, for Series 5 as a C- TV series. So I'm hoping that this will also be more like a fleshed out big finish because a lot of the Torchwoods have been one or two handers or three maybe. But hopefully this will be a bit more full bodied cast, kind of like the unit and the, the main line that we've been listening to also. Yay. <laughs> Pox on you. <laughs> I'm super excited. Coming out in August is the first box set. Yay. And it's supposed to be Jack and Gwen going back to Cardiff and kind of reinitializing Torchwood and setting it back up. And um, mm-hmm. Reese is there, and I mean, so it's it's got all the normal people that you would expect to be in it for a Torchwood series, minus what's his face, but minus some of the people that died. <laughs> well, <laughs> minus some of the people. Spoilers. That you, <laughs> minus some of the people that you thought maybe would have been in a televised version, you know, from the Americas. Oh, yes. Yeah. What's his face? Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> Mackay Pfeiffer, yeah. Not that he was bad. It was... I kind of hope they address it, because they still haven't done it. I'm anything. curious to see yeah, what they're going to do with it. They, they almost need to mention the elephant in the room. Yeah, maybe he'll be in charge of Torchwood USA. That could be. I mean, there'll be another be spinoff down the road. Yeah. In other big finish news, uh, the fourth Doctor Range is getting a surprise makeover with his eighth season. He's done eight seasons of this so far. I'm amazed that I remember when he started it. Oh, I remember when he wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be joined by Ann Kelso, a police officer in 1978s, and joins him for adventures throughout Series 8. So he gets a new companion. It's not been televised. So this sets just as the Doctor left Leela and Gallifrey. He's alone, hasn't even opened the box containing K-9 Mark II yet. And he's got Ann Kelso joining him. Which makes me wonder if they did that just so that there is no canine in this particular run. Yeah, unfortunately. That's why they specifically said, hasn't it even opened the box yet? Unless there's a moment where he opens the box. That could be. And gets canine out. Because he shows up with Romano with... When Romano shows up, he has it out of the box already, mm-hmm. doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So, Canine's out. I kind of like the idea that Canine just assembles himself in the box and then busts through the cardboard <laughs> at one point. I'm ready. Because that's what happened with Sarah Jane, right? Is the bo- She opened the box and Canine was already assembled. I got the she impression she assembled it, put it in a box, and left it for him. I don't, I don't yeah. think it was the box he came yeah. in. It was more it's, like a It's gift not box. like there's a Canine kit. <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. No, I get that. But just, right, right. 
that, that's what's been established. Right. That you have a box and it opens up and there's a canine that rolls out. So that's what the doctor does. He puts the box in. The, he brings the box out into the console room and canine comes out. Uh, I got the impression that the doctor had been off camera working on a second canine when he leaves the first canine. He knew he had one. Sure, if you really want to go there, but in my mind, he's <laughs> just happens to be in a box. They cloned him, and he comes out, and he's fully grown already. Fully, okay. fully armed and operational canine. Sure. Said so on the box. That's going to be your head cannon. You bet. <laughs> Speaking of canine, new canine design has been revealed for the next film, or for the film that's going to be coming out. For the out. next film. What? There's already been a canine? We missed Well, they, they redesigned him for that series on CBBC. And so this is a redesign in addition to that series. What was the name of the, the the Cujo, but he was a mechanical dog? What was that movie? It had Lance Heinrichsen in it. There was like Lance Heinrichsen versus a mechanical dog. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. Oh, I can't remember the name of that one now. You said the next movie. That's what flashed in my head. Sorry, it's not important. New design for canine. It looks like they're trying to introduce more of the classic elements to it, but Aww. not very well. Very much like the t- Yeah, it still looks version. like the CBC one. Or CBBC. The, bo- the buttons on the back, uh, that's kind of a throwback. Oof. I don't know if those were there before. Look. Oh, well. It's not for me. I just don't understand what was wrong with the old design. <laughs> you know you're going to get Who fans to go see the K-9 movie anyway. Yeah, that's true. I'd be highly impre- or surprised if new audiences come to a canine movie battling Omega. <laughs> they might. There's a bunch of kids going to see the Power Rangers. But well, that's a reboot, born, though. But it was they weren't born when the... <gasps> I do remember that cover now, Man's Best Friend. I sure do remember that Sorry, cover. Sorry, I had to look it, it Sean has brought the... Uh, <laughs> and I remember that sitting on the shelves when I worked at Duncan's. Yeah. Wow. Never saw it. Robot Cujo. Never saw it. I had, I, you know what? It wasn't until just now that I realized it is a robot. I've never looked close enough. You never I looked just thought it was a dog. Him. Yeah, I just thought it was a with, dog. With, his, with his glowing red eyes. Terminator style. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's even kind of a metallic face on that side. Had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched it, so. Now you need to. Now, now I need to. how it is. Like Ali Sheedy's in it, too, so, you know, 1993. Straight to video. <laughs> it's got to be good, right? <sighs> so if you've been enjoying Series 10 and want some additional contents... BBC Worldwide and Skype teamed up to launch a Doctor Who bot. Doctor Who bot? Uh, Doctor Who bots, where you can have an interactive adventure with the Doctor and even kind of references what's going on a little bit in Season 10 and Bill in the very beginning of it. I don't know how far into how much more it gets involved with that. So, But it's going to have chapters included with it, which will come out every week, every Sunday at 6 p.m. BST, shortly after the episodes air on BBC One and BBC America. So once the new episode airs, you can... The next day, pretty much, go and have your next interactive adventure involving the key to time. Ooh. How did you know that? It says so in the press release. <laughs> and I started it. How awesome <laughs> is it, Glenn? Oh, no, I haven't started it yet. You haven't started no, it? No, because Skype's being dumb. <laughs> and Glenn's a little bitter about it. We spent, I don't know what, 20 minutes pre-show with Glenn <laughs> trying to log into Skype so he could do this, and then Keith got in first try. Words yep. were spoken. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a six-part adventure. I'm assuming each part you go find the key to time. No. Yeah. <laughs> and at least... That sounds like a familiar formula. <laughs> I wonder where they got that idea. 
I hope. I wonder if it structures a little better than the actual key to time season. This should be key three time. Yeah, technically. Yeah, because Davison did a key two time, number two. Yeah, they missed a trick. <laughs> <laughs> so far, it looks like mostly a text-based adventure. There was a little video explaining what the key to time was. <laughs> it's the late eighties all over again. <laughs> so who knows? Melt wizard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to uh, finish the first chapter and report back in next week because I didn't have time and didn't quite understand what this was until I sat down to record. (laughs) And somebody was yelling at you. (laughs) Yes. Well, let us know. Well, you guys should try to do it too. I'm going to try, but I'm going to put you in charge. You're going to lead the charge on this. Oh, I don't know if I'll have time to do that, Sean. I mean, believe me, I think it would be really great if you and I could both get in and have it done and Glenn still could. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it'll count on me. Skype's being dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to feedback. What's in feedback? feedback is Holly. Holly writes, knock, knock. Hey guys, as tempting as it is to do a knock, knock joke with my subject line, I can't come up with anything good. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we can do that. I'll, I'll start again. Knock, knock. Who's there? Yes. Yes, who? Yes, who? That's a terrible knock, knock. Try it again. Line. Knock, knock. Who's there? Yes. Yes, who? Oh, I have to say it fast. (laughs) What's on second, and I don't know who's on third base. It's a terrible knock knock joke. (laughs) I didn't say it was good. Holly, you should be ashamed of yourself for opening up with a knock knock joke in your feedback line. That's just terrible. I'll just move into my thoughts on the episode. I found this an enjoyable episode. Got to find out a bit more Bill's life outside of her trips with the doctor. It was nice of him to help move her stuff in with the TARDIS. Him getting called grandfather again was a nice touch, even if he was a little miffed about it at first. The twist at the end with the father turning out to be the son, I didn't see coming. And as for our mystery in the vault, I'm thinking it's John Sims' master in there, based on the Pop Goes the Weasel music after the doctor mentions something to whoever's in there. I was thinking myself at first the master was in there when the vault was first brought up, and though that it would be too simple and easy. Guess not. I wonder how crazy he's going to be when he's let out. Looking forward to your review on this episode, Holly from Wisconsin. P.S. Book for the book club to remind everyone is Dalek Generation. I also did put up the voting poll for June's book choice, so everyone has plenty of time to look at the choices and make their decision. So Holly's on board with my theory that we talked about. So Yeah, and... Just as a side note to that, I do. There, there, there was an article just recently posted that I had kind of forgotten about. But yeah, we, I just forgot about it until now. Actually. In one of those, let's dissect the trailer and analyze every frame of film in it. There's apparently a scene where Missy is lying on top of a grand piano. Oh, they're both in there. Oh, <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I know Moffat recently said that we won't wait all season to find out what's in the vaults. Otherwise, it would drive you crazy. <laughs> so it's not going to be the season finale when we find out what the vault yeah, is. Yeah, I didn't think it would be that far down the road either, though. So. Which is kind of a nice change of pace for what he normally does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's I'm probably... I'm still hoping we're wrong. I think I that's think. why <laughs> the BBC probably felt it was okay to put John Sim in the trailer, too. <laughs> probably. Because they figure, well, it's no big reveal at the end of the season. So. Yeah. Although they seem to show that, It's too. not like he's regenerating. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. They seem to go there, too. Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. And thanks for the update on the Goodreads book club, Holly. I went and voted. Up next in feedback comes Odd Duck Phil. 
What the postman brought me now? Gasp! Hey, who peekins? I'm going to send my thanks along for transporting my new autograph to me. And I may add, Catherine Tate is awesome! Catherine Tate is cool because she sends me free stuff. Catherine Tate is awesome! And let it be known, I now have words with anyone who disses Donna Noble as a companion. <laughs> Second! Okay, before you continue, the backstory to that. <laughs> I had talked with Odd Duckville before Planet Comic Con. And he said, do me a favor, and when you go see Catherine Tate, tell her I think Donna Noble is the greatest companion in the history of Doctor Who. I said, okay. So we went to go see Catherine Tate, and we're standing at the table, and I said, oh, I, I have a friend who couldn't make it, and he lives in Texas. But he told me to tell you, Odd Duck Phil says Donna Noble is the greatest companion in all of Doctor Who ever. And she goes, aww. And she reaches over and grabs a picture and starts writing. And she goes, what's his name? I think of him as Odd Duck Phil all the time now. <laughs> and I know it's a joke, but it was the first thing out of mouth. Odd Duck Phil. And Catherine Tate stopped and looked at me and went, like, doc? Like doctor? Or quack? Quack? Okay. And so she signed it to Odd Duck Phil. <laughs> and it wasn't until, because I would, you know, and she just gave us the autograph. I said, here, you know, give this in to him. And it wasn't until afterward I went, oh, now it says Odd Duck Phil on the actual picture. Well, now he has an excuse to go get another one and actually meet her to get one that doesn't say Odd Duck Phil. Why wouldn't he be happy with Odd no, Duck I'm, Phil? I'm sure he owns thrilled. that name. It's true. I mean, but he, he coined the thing. Well, no, <laughs> no Sean, Sean coined, coined it, but he accepted it and brought it in and loves it and signs all of his stuff with it. So, so yeah, that's that's a thing now. If you had just <laughs> The two Phil. Yeah. There, how many Phil's do you know? True. How many Odd Duck Phil's do you know? Yeah, enough that I had one. to name this one Odd Duck. <laughs> <laughs> one Phil. One Odd Duck Phil. One one, Odd Duck there's Phil. only one Odd Duck Phil. So that's the backstory to that. So, and, he, and being the <laughs> rotten little individual that he is, he says, he sent me a text and he says, so I got something in the mail today. I know what it is because I mailed it. And I said, oh really? He goes, yeah, water bill. <laughs> <laughs> Hate all of you. <laughs> I'm gonna go get on Skype. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, he continues. Second, the current season. Love Bill. Love Capaldi. Love Bill and Capaldi together. But this season for me is missing something. Don't get me wrong. I eagerly anticipate new episodes and thoroughly enjoy each one I watch. But after pilots, there's been a bit of a drop. It's like every episode after has been to fill out a checklist for a Who season. Future human colony, check. Trip to historic England, check. Supernatural phenomenon that's really something alien, check. I'm really feeling like Moffat has burned himself out. The show's still good, but it's missing that something. Gah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old and nothing's as good as it used to be. And music's too loud and vulgar now. And you kids get off my lawn! <laughs> Odd duck fill, maybe it's just a different flavor for you. Oh. <laughs> Old school reference. <laughs> I'd also like to comment about something that bothered me about thin ice that appears to put me in the minority. The doctor punching the racist bad guy. Remember the time Davros tried to commit genocide on a galactic scale and the, and the doctor punched him? Oh. Well, how about the time the Master stole the TARDIS and turned it into an abomination to create a time paradox to kill millions and enslave the Earth and the Doctor punched him? No? Yeah, me neither. Look, that guy needed to be punched. 
And being an avid student of Terry Pratchett, I know when one person is lecturing another about the need for tact and diplomacy. Narrative causality demands that the lecturer must be the one to retort to violence, not the lectured to. But this is the doctor punching someone. The doctor uses his wits and his words, not his fists. I think I would have preferred Bill hitting the guy than turning to the doctor, awaiting another lecture and getting a job well done. Or even a lecture along the lines of, next time keep your elbow out. Otherwise, good form. <laughs> Lynn disagrees on that. Well, point. I don't want it to turn into a scolding, but that whole mentality of the doctor is a certain way, and I'm as guilty as anybody else is saying. It just doesn't feel like the doctor. It just doesn't feel like my doctor. But it seems to be we, especially old school fans, tend to put the doctor in one characterization. And I think that I'm coming to grips with the fact that, I, you know, do you remember the time that the third doctor played the electric guitar? I don't remember that either. Do you remember the time that the <laughs> fifth doctor, you know, did his rendition of Pretty Woman on the guitar? I don't remember that either. I mean, you can apply that logic to it as well. We've got a doctor now that plays the electric guitar. We, The doctor's never played electric guitar before, so suddenly we've got a characteristic of the doctor that's new that's never been done before. And it's not like Just the doctor's he, always been a pacifist. Yeah, He's picked up guns exactly. and fired I mean, If you them look back at the Peter Davison era, he was running around pretty much with guns through the entire seat. And run. how many people did I'm exaggerating. Pertwee you knock out with his... Yeah, Pertwee had a lot of Venusian yeah. Aikido. So, so I, I just, I think when we put... <laughs> and Tom Baker broke we, Scorby's neck. <laughs> <laughs> I think when we do that, I just think that it's this whole, that's not what the doctor would do. Well, the guy's 2,000 years old, and I hope in 2,000 years I'm not doing the same thing that I do now. You know what I mean? So I'll get off my soapbox. But I'm, and I, I'm, <laughs> Phil, I'm just as guilty. I do the same thing. I'll finish an episode and go, oh, that just didn't feel like Doctor Who. That's the same thing. I mean, that's, that's really the same thing as saying that's not something the Doctor did, would do. Writers have to kind of find new ways and, and new things so that this show remains fresh and continues to grow and the character becomes, you know, evolves. And I think that that's what I like about this series this year is this isn't the same Doctor we even had in the last series and it was the same incarnation of the Doctor. Yeah. And so I really like the fact that they're exploring and, and the Doctor's is expanding as a character as much as he's expanding Bill as a person or as a human. So, you know, I just, I think there's room for that kind of thing. And maybe it's just because I felt like I wanted to punch the guy too when he did what he did. And I, that could be simply where I'm going with that. But I, I sort of think that by, by saying, well, that's just not very doctorly. And I, again, I've done it before. It's not very doctor-like, but I... I guess I'm, I'm just as guilty because I've said a lot through Capaldi's first season. He's just not my doctor yet. And as much as I cheered that moment... Phil's not wrong, because it is very undoctor-like. And, and when you put it in the context of his question, look at Davros going to you know wipe out the entire galaxy, everything, universe, the whole shebang, because he postulated about a virus, and at no point did the doctor punch him out, or, or, or this person doing this. For all the people that deserve a punch, it seems odd in a way that it's this guy. This is the line that, okay, that's you crossed a line there. Pow. That guy? Really? That's the line? Not the genocidal maniac or the, you know, but this. Eh. But at the same time, it was such I a satisfying moment. It, I think when you couple it with the statement, though, that the Doctor makes mm -hmm. after that, it has a lot more impact to the fact that I just did what needed to be done because you're characterizing humanity this way and it's, you know, that's not how you should do it. I, maybe it's a learning lesson. I don't know. But I don't know. We went on far too long about that. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. <laughs> 
One other thing before you move on. He, he did send me a text. He said, I forgot about thin ice before you oh, move on to knock. Something positive. Capaldi's ability to convey so much without saying a word when they first arrive and see the elephant. Mm-hmm. That was something that was very high for him. So He finishes, finally, like knock. Again, nothing really new. It's Doctor Who, so we know the haunted house isn't haunted any more than the old amusement park like the Scooby gang is investigating. <laughs> the caretaker's identity w- was nice. Moffat-esque touch, though. And this week moved Glenn's theory about the vault up to at least an 80% likely. <laughs> and if it is, I'm fine with it. But I gotta say it would be great if Moffat could Moffat us one more time on the way out. One more twist slash turn. Eh, we'll see. Odd Duck Phil. P.S. I forgot to ask, did Sean get a chance to ask Catherine Tate or John Barrowman if they like Doctor Who? <laughs> what about Wizard of Oz? I'm going to go get on Skype. (laughs) No, I did not get the opportunity to ask that, Phil. Thanks for bringing that up uh, again. (laughs) Uh, Good old throwbacks in this episode. (laughs) Thank you, Phil. As always, it's good to hear from you. It's been too long, sir. Too long. And I'm glad you liked your autograph. I can take no credit for that, whatever. That's all Catherine Tate. (laughs) She's so awesome. And, of course, if you want to send us feedback, you can go to our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab, or reach out to us on social media. Knock. Knock. Who's there? (laughs) Bill is moving in with some friends, and they've found the perfect house. So what if it's strangely cheap to rent, and the landlord is a little creepy? The wind blows, the floorboards creak, and the doctor thinks something is very wrong. What lurks in the strange tower at the heart of the building? And why can't they find a way to enter it? First thing I said was, I bet it's that bookshelf at the end of the hall. I bet you pull one of those books and you get in there. <laughs> I don't know if I'd give it a bum, 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 but I would definitely give it a bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Nicely Bravo. Done. Nicely Bravo. Done. Bravo. Hey, Scooby. <laughs> this one wasn't bad. <laughs> It just, um, you know, yeah, it was kind of standard. Yeah, it was kind of what it was. It was a haunted house story that wasn't a haunted house and space lice. <laughs> I do have to agree with Andy who tweeted us saying that maybe Ghost Light would have been a better choice for Friday Night Who. Yeah, yeah. in retrospect. Totally. Well, Hyde would have been a good one. Or Hyde. Hyde would have been a really good one, yeah. too. <laughs> it was a knock-knock, Andy. I had to... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Andy's never joined us for a Friday Night Who. You don't get to comment. <laughs> <laughs> Do it a little later, a little earlier. That's what he'll tell you, and he'll be there. True. That's true. <laughs> Too true. Right in the middle of his morning. Did anybody else want to go first? <laughs> I don't have anything to I say about it. I felt kind of the same way I felt about Smile on this one. It was it was all right. It was who? So I it was enjoyable, and there were some great moments to it, but it was kind of just there for me. It didn't wow me. I agree with our feedbackers that the twist of him being her son was a very nice twist that I didn't see coming. Of course, I knew there was a wooden girl in it from the trailer, but I knew that's who was locked away in the tower the entire time. I mean, there's so much of the... Yeah, I must have missed that image. I didn't... I don't remember that Oh, yeah, there was the image of her creeping around the the wood Which, in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. That scene in particular, I thought was very creepy. Well, in the trailer, it came off way creepier than it was in the actual episode. Really? Yeah. Because it was... was, You had that image in the trailer... Of her looking around it, and it was like at the very end. Because, I mean, it just the way it's 
framed. It's just hands, and they're kind of weird and grotesque and everything. It's like, okay, what's going to be? What's going to be? This is my hide-behind-the-couch moment. And then her face comes out, and she's wooden, and it's like, oh. It's kind of anticlimactic. It but then she talks, it. and it got like, whoa. It just... <laughs> There was something about the, I don't know if it was animatronic or digital or makeup, or but it was really well done, I thought, on that. But I think it was uh, costume. It looked like costume. Yeah, it looked like costume. I was mildly excited when I saw the trailer to this one, which is interesting, because after Smile, we saw the, the preview at the end of the episode for Thin Ice. I didn't think it looked that good. I thought, oh, okay, this might be the one that I go, okay, this isn't great. And then I turned around and found out that that was my favorite episode <laughs> of the season, and probably of all of Capaldi's run. So, at the end of Thin Ice, and maybe it was because I was coming off the high of Thin Ice, I saw this one, I thought, ooh, that looks genuinely creepy and, and, a, and a lot of fun. And I wasn't creeped out or See, scared yeah, or I didn't any find sort it, of And I live in a house creepy. with lots of wood, yeah. and I didn't find it creepy. It just... <laughs> I understand, like, people in apartments or anything not having the, the wood issue of the creaks, and because my house settles, and I hear creaks all the time, and, you know, with Cody walking around, too, I mean, we hear Scuttling and things oh, on yeah. the ceiling. I mean, and... it's, it's, it's nothing out of the ordinary, especially for an old house. And so I thought that aspect of it would creep me and especially Sarah out. And no, not really. By the time I got to the end of the episode, I was just kind of, huh. And maybe it's because I'm coming off of what I have felt were three very good episodes to start the season. And then maybe in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, well, there had to be the one where I eventually got to and didn't think it was, wasn't wild by it. But it was uh, entertaining. It was mildly good uh i don't have very many bad things to say about it however i think this was the first one that left me with a lot of questions which was first of all what happened to the bugs yeah they didn't I mean, where do they go next the, the, i mean the, obviously the they had to but... be fed and this little boy or this old man who turns out to be the original little boy that brought them into the house brought them into the house and had to feed them every 20 years so was that just to keep mom alive or was that because they have to be fed every 20 years I'm so assuming it's a little bit of both oh well i get the impression at least they tried to convey the idea that it was because she had to remain alive but it didn't really explain where the bugs came from which maybe i don't need to know that i didn't need to know what where the uh, lockless monster came from True. but the story around that was so good that i was just kind of eh, that's fine it's it's some you know well, because even when the doctor says how do we know it's not from earth right when he hand waves it it's kind of like well okay you're right, right. I, I can't right, right. but this one sets it up in such a way because the wood lice are given these kind of strange abilities They're that the they triad can... i would rather it be the triad okay <laughs> <laughs> he does default finally to lice but, but the, when, when the, well, he kind of defaults to what was the first thing? The Revenge of the Dryads. 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 I'm sorry. I'm saying Dryads. Yeah, it's Dryads. I like the Dryads. Okay. We'll it call them Dryads. Who... <laughs> uh, they, they kind of have... Because they've got some weird powers. They can phase in and out of, of the house, of the wood. And they turned Mom into wood, which somehow kept her alive. But they need to be fed, which they eat people, or at least break them down molecularly. But then they can and put, put them, them back the, together. Yeah. There's way too much going on yeah, here for this agree, to really yeah, make a lot of scientific sense. Now, it's Doctor Who. I don't come to Doctor Who for scientific sense. I right. come to Doctor Who for fun and adventure, and that's kind of what this one was. But it's very much a house of cards that if you start to think about it too much, it's all going to come down. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's, that's kind of where I come down on it. Is it's It was enjoyable, but that's about it. It was, it was a run-of-the-mill standard Doctor Who story. And no who is bad who. 
that's kind of where this one lies. It just it just was what it was. I, I feel like they, they spent so much time thinking about the landlord and giving... Because so much time is spent in that, him, the doctor theorizing and then figuring out what really happened. And then, then moving into the house, that so much of the what could have been creepy was so truncated. Yeah. That if they had stretched that bit out, it might have felt bigger stakes. And I don't know. Perhaps. Because so. like the guy, the first guy that gets eaten, when you finally see him in the wall, that is, that is pretty creepy. Yeah, that's see, creepy. I didn't image. think that was even all that creepy. Here, the thing, though, that I, I, I felt with that is you, you're arguing for for what I felt about that. I felt like we got two-thirds of the way through the story before we ever divulged what was happening behind those doors. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's meant to keep that creep factor up. But when I don't have any creep factor or, or the mystery of it, and then you finally divulge it, then it's like, it kind of cut, based on all the clues that you dropped, I kind of assume that's what happened anyway. I thought that it was interesting, the, the fact because the needle on the record was skipping and the music was placating the uh, bugs. The one guy wasn't completely fully in. Uh, that was a that was a clever thing. Yeah. I, I, it was a clever yeah. moment. I had never really considered that. And and I, I just I found myself frustrated with the fact that this guy's been there. I could clearly tell the record was skipping. And yes, I know that something has happened to him because I was there as a viewer in the house you when heard he him showed scream up. And yeah, but they went an awful long time without anybody checking on him, and they give that little throwaway line of well that's just how he is you know he's he goes off in his room and he listens to his music but the music was skipping it was repetitious <laughs> i mean it just i think I, somebody should have checked on him yeah. before then and i uh, that that bothered me a little bit i think the other thing that bothered me was i think we were meant to feel like bill and angie i don't remember the girl the other girl the well other girl. The, the the one of the girls were great friends i think the problem is too it's and it was nece- Shireen. Shireen. It was necessary for the story because they had to throw these friends together. But I didn't feel like I learned anything about the friends. I would have liked to known what Bill's relationship was to Shireen a little more so than they gave us. They gave us the impression that they were best friends, but then they didn't act like best friends, especially after Shireen's eaten and Bill's just kind of. Eh, eh. <laughs> There was none of that. Now, granted, Thin Ice sort of fixes that because she had that learning moment with the doctor about this sort of just happens. Yeah. But this sort of just doesn't happen to your best friend. Yeah. The one that she thought she was going to be next to, you know, her rooms together. It did make sense that Shireen really liked this guy, and that's why she placed herself next to the room. That was a neat little dynamic there as well, especially the fact that the guy had eyes for Bill, and Bill had to kind of, you know, set him off and say, well, wait a minute, I'm, you're not my type. That was neat. That was a nice little story moment there, and that that worked. But I didn't feel like I got <clears throat> enough information about these five, six people. It almost feels for like for me to care about them when they did die. Yeah, it know? almost felt like it was almost too early in the season. Like we should have had some scenes throughout the season of when the doctor picked up Bill, of her her hanging out with Shireen Absolutely. or something, and and, or so, another episode where she's talking to what's his name, or another episode yeah. where he's talking. Well, and, and I get that because they introduced. Bill to a lot of these other people in the beginning of the episode, so I, I can yeah. understand that. But at least the one friend needed to be stronger. Yeah, that would have fixed a lot of the friendship thing. Because the other thing is, supposedly they're all friends, and yet he doesn't know that Bill well, likes girls. I kind of got the impression. Like well, here I got the impression that, right? that that Bill and Shireen were really good friends. Were friends, and these the rest guys of them were guys that just kind of acquaintances, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe I, I got the impression Bill know. didn't know them as well as Shireen did. Yeah. Like you said, we, it felt like we got two-thirds of the way through the episode before anything happened. And personally, 
I would have cut most of the moving in. And in fact, I would have had Bill be a little bit more of the questioner that she is mm-hmm. when her friends come to her and say, we found a house, we've got a thing. It's really cheap. It's cheap. It's this. Okay, great. And then they get there and she's standing outside with the doctor and she's like, this is the place. This is what you found. That to me seems a little more in line with that she should have kind of been the questioning one right off the bat. Well, but, and and the, the reason for the doctor to stick around almost seems a little thin, too. It's really thin, other like, than... It, it would have been better had she shown up with the doctor, and they both have been like, well, that's kind of weird. And mm-hmm. then he stuck around instead of moving her in and then coming back. And having that awkward, her trying to, okay, you know, we're fine here, go away. You know, it's yeah, just kind of felt out of which, character out of the But one time would have been all right, but it seems like they kept pressing that whole, yeah. yeah, you can go now, everything's okay. You know, she just, they kept driving that home, and that felt really It's only awesome. awkward, I think, from the standpoint, since they all go to the same school, they all know who they he is. They all knew he was. Yeah. So yes. now all of a sudden, when he shows up, it's like, oh, he's my grandfather. Okay. You know, I yeah. mean, I can get that. That it, Oh, you're friends with the teacher. Bill questioned it at first, and then it almost went the opposite, completely opposite direction of no, n- nothing weird is going on here when she had her initial instincts, and it would have been a better story had she stuck with those initial instincts. Right. Agree. Like she has done every other time. Agree. <laughs> so far. She really or, just kind of tried to fluff it off. Or even if the doctor had been like, well, here's your stuff, and then turned to leave. And, she's and she like, was like, you're, you're not going to come investigate this with me? Why? It's the Scooby-Doo house. I mean, come on. Just <laughs> Which we gl- even got you know. somebody called it a Scooby-Doo house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just at a glance that I felt. Now, I will say this. Capaldi's doctor in particular, and Adekfield kind of touched on this when he talked about the being a ghost story. Mm-hmm. We've had Hyde. We've had some other ones. But Capaldi in particular is, especially, was it Under the Lake when there were the ghosts? And he got real excited that this was going to be a thing. He doesn't quite get to that level. But when he's in the moment and things start happening, you can tell his ears are perked up mm-hmm. and he's he's well, ready for... The mind's working, too. You know, you yeah. can see he's it ready for something. Yeah. And I kind of wish they would have maybe played that off just a little bit more. Just, you know, just a line or something where the doctor go, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the haunted house. This is going to be the real thing. <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> just, to, just to play with us, yeah. you know. And another, we, of course, we're all sitting here going, no, it isn't. But <laughs> another thing, <and> <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want him to lose that. <laughs> Another thing, and this isn't to the detriment of the episode, it was just something that stuck out like a sore thumb. She was talking about previous adventures she had, and she said something about giant red robots. Were there giant red robots in any of the stories previous? Nope. Nope. Okay, so then my first thought was, well, I can chalk that up to she's had another adventure that was just off camera we haven't seen yet. But the other thing that I wondered is maybe this got switched in order, and there was supposed to be another episode first. I w- that I has giant red robots, and then her, this one? I wonder if she said weird robots, because according to TARDIS Wiki, the, qu- the what she said was, there's no living puddles or weird robots, big fish. I thought she said uh, red robots, so she was probably referring to the Daleks. So, okay. Or then that's the okay. s- emoji bots, I think, more than the Daleks. Well, but she says something about, she weird says robots. something else about the emoji, about the, that particular smile. Glenn's just bound to determine to make it about the Daleks. You see this? <laughs> no, 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 no. Every well, time, I, every the time. The reason I'm saying that is because she said it in threes. She said, the first thing she said, obviously, was, oh, p- puddles, uh, scary puddles. The second thing she said was specifically smile. Something robots. Okay, and then she says elephants on the tim. Or no, she says the big fish. But then it, she, I swear she said one more thing. I, I, that I'm not sure. That's what, okay, well then, never mind. I may have just misheard something, but. She said killer robots, didn't she? Oh, she said weird robots. 
Even if she said killer robots, it still applies. <laughs> well, weird robots applies just as well too. Does yeah, it I just I swear I heard giant red robots. I did I not thought hear that was that. the I last thing she that. said. So okay, well never mind. Like I say, it's neither here nor there. The episode it just made me wonder if maybe this got switched out of out of order for some reason. We'll find out if there's a giant red robot later in the season. Then you can go aha, or or if they're they're they do have the books that. Are, have yeah. Bill in them, so I mean that would be really cool if they're name dropping and they're name dropping and crossing that world because yeah. they rarely do that. Okay, the other thing that bugged me just a little bit about the thing was everybody seemed to turn. Well, Bill and the Doctor seemed to sort of turn and feel bad for the old man, which I think you're meant to do because he was misguided. Because when the reveal that it's her son and he was doing what he needed to do to keep her alive. He did such a great turn acting wise. I when kept that thinking, came. I don't care. <laughs> he still killed how many you, people? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because this has I happened at too. least four other times. You just killed five people now. Twenty years ago, you or six people. Twenty years ago, you killed six people before. Twenty or five, yeah, five, six, six. I'm looking back and going, you've been killing people since the early 1900s. I don't care if you're a misguided kid that grew up and was trying to keep your. You just killed a bunch of people. And so the the story is trying to draw at my heartstrings like, oh, this poor misguided guy, you know, I've, he wanted to keep his mother alive. And so he's feeding people to the house. <laughs> <laughs> that was my biggest problem with it is that Bill and the doctor seem to have this moment of, oh, this poor guy. You know, I can. I, I, he's really misunderstood. Screw you. I mean, seriously. <laughs> he's killing people. And he's not a kid anymore. If it was still a kid doing that, well, see, okay, I might be able to the, give the, it. The but when you get per- to it, and he's very innocent, I know. He's he, a, the way he, he performs it, it almost comes across well, like he hasn't matured me, past that age. Uh, no way, yeah. I'm fine. I don't care. He's still an adult and he's killing people. Well, that's I, true. Done. Well, that's one can it. argue that if the that's, kid is still doing that, it's not I can overlook. <laughs> I can overlook every. I can See, yeah. overlook everything else in this episode that I have a problem with except for that. And it's not so much the fact that that's part of the story because that's fine. It's just, it's like the writer was going, well, I'm going to draw some sympathy from the viewer because he's a misguided kid. He's no, not he's really not. a bad he's guy. He's a 90 year old guy. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. I, I really <laughs> wasn't going. I wasn't no, going to come wrong. here and tear this episode apart. I really was not my intention because it was. I, in fact, that's why I let you guys go first because I thought I'm just going to let this one lie. It had, just had we been able to was, praise it, it, it might was, have been different. It was a fine episode, but then yeah, you guys fed into it because you didn't like it that well either. <laughs> so, no, I'm just kidding. All right, I'm done. He's kind of. Did you ever see One Hour Photo? Uh-huh. The, that Probably. was kind of that targeted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you've got Robin Williams. I really like Robin Williams. No. <laughs> Robin Williams is playing a creepy old yeah. man in this movie, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, yeah. because yeah. that's kind of where I think they were... terrific performance. Oh, yeah, he's great, but it's it's it felt very calculated that we're going to give you a very dislikable guy, but we're going to have a very likable guy play the dislikable guy. And well, I didn't like the guy in the first place, especially yeah. when he's making them sign that contract. The first like thing Sarah said was, read it! Yeah, that's my, that was my first thought, too. I don't know. It just it is what it is. It's, it is what it is. That's where yeah. I, come, I come down on. It. I mean, maybe it, but maybe by the end of the season, we will go back and go. You know what? Knock knock was kind of the clunker for this season. It could be. And maybe we'll go I back on a second watch. And go. This was actually pretty good. I don't I think so, but and, and maybe. I remember last season not finishing Sleep No More and thinking, yeah, that's kind of middle of the road. And, and but then 
by the end of the season, you look back at it, you go, that really wasn't a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> that was much comparison that was to the rest well, of the Well, you guys, uh, one of you, maybe both of you, came down really hard on Sleep No More, and I didn't. I think yeah, Sean came down Sean, a little okay. harder than I did. Um, but Found footage. But it, then, then I, you know, that so it kind of made me realize I didn't like it as well as I did either. <laughs> but then, yeah, when you go back and you frame it in the entire season and you go, yeah, that was the clunker. That was That was it. So this could be that. So may, maybe not. Maybe longer. maybe it's just something yeah, that we'll I go mean, back and go. You know what? It wasn't as bad as we kind of made it out to be. I don't Look think it's season bad. Two had like three clunkers. I mean, <laughs> hey, the fact that we only have one clunker. I, is I went back good. and reevaluated Love and Monsters from a new perspective, and I, I wasn't fell in love with, with that, that one. So <laughs> I fell in love with that Doomsday. Yeah, that's what I love about doing this podcast. It opens my eyes to who in ways that I didn't like Happiness Patrol the first time I saw it. Now, I really like Happiness Patrol. I didn't get Ghost Light the first time I saw it. <laughs> I'm still not sure I get it, but I like it a little bit better now. So You should have read the book. Yeah, I didn't dislike it enough to dog on it, I guess is maybe the other well, side of that coin. I didn't think I did either. I, did, so. <laughs> I don't think you're dogging well, I think you're bringing up some very valid, this didn't work for you moments. Yeah. And maybe that's something could have been fixed with restructuring the plot. Maybe that's something that if they had, if we'd gotten more of the scary and less of the moving in that the ending would have been more impactful or they would have had time to explain the bugs. Any one of those things could have elevated this above meh. Well, and that's not even fair because it was still enjoyable to watch. Yeah, but I, it, didn't, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, I, I stuck with it, so yeah. <laughs> it got me to the end. And I thought, yeah, okay. But may, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the previous three have been so have good. They could have not done it, and that, then I wouldn't be here. For, for the for <laughs> <laughs> I'll be talking about another episode. Yeah. For the same reason that Smile maybe came down a little bit just because the pilot was so good mm-hmm. maybe this one comes down just because we really liked thin eyes no there's maybe it's placement but i think i, I agree <laughs> i think there are, i think there are i think there's problems uh so this was mike bartlett's first story yeah i was kind of sad that the guy has my namesake but uh, <laughs> didn't write a very good story and to date he is the youngest person to write for the show this is my nephew. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> <laughs> He's your nephew. You, you don't have this magneted to your fridge at home, do you? No, no. <laughs> he didn't give you a copy of the script? Yeah, he did. And then I checked it after I watched it. No, if, if this is his first outing as a doctor script, actually, that impresses me a little more. Because and, and I'm not he, sure what other writing credits he I has mean, in could, addition yeah, to Yeah, exactly. Either. I mean, if this is his first outing as a Doctor Who script, it wasn't a horrible Doctor Who script. So it was like, okay, this was pretty good. So it wasn't a Pip and Jane Baker. <laughs> Stop it! They weren't that. Bad. <laughs> All of the problems with Pip and Jane Baker were come down to Eric Seaward. We're gonna we're gonna Sayward. Sayward. We're gonna we're gonna evaluate this one of these days. It's gonna be one of the topics of the show. I'm not praising Pip and Jane Baker. I don't think they're the best writers on Doctor Who. But you come down on them too hard, and most most of that is Eric Sayward's fault. So that's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> it was no fear here. Although we, no we think fear. We're, I think we're going to, Sean and I are going to have to go back and rewatch Fear Her because well, I, I just defend, because, I just defended because, the monster. Because not the... Sean came or Sean because Keith came back and said, you know, I watched Fear and it wasn't really as bad as I remembered it. <laughs> At least uh, Idiot's Lantern, we can still hold to that Yo, yeah. horrible okay. standard. Anyway, so <laughs> there was no Idiot's Lantern. We don't do that on this podcast. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about it. There was Me no Talon's Witch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now, there I was, I was going to go there. 
What do we got coming up on the schedule? Sean? Coming up next on the schedule uh, this week for Friday Night Who, one surprisingly we've never actually done before for Friday Night Who. John Pertwee, Terror of the Autons, and some more Master. Maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a box and a couch. We should have just done Master stories all season until they showed up and then we'd have gone see what we did <laughs> we were building really clever and somebody said no you were you were throwing darts until you finally got to the one that had the master show up hey i'm three for four <laughs> uh so terror of the autons next or this coming friday for friday night who please join us friday night at midnight boot up your copy it's going to be difficult because it's not available but you can go back to brit box with this one so you know okay. if you, if you subscribe right. to that you have the option and then our uh, show next week is on oxygen. Dun, dun, dun. Which Mel had a question watching the trailer. She was like, so if the spacesuits are killing them, why would you put it on? <laughs> I don't know, honey. We'll have to watch the episode. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Maybe they had to. I don't know yet. If you're not already supporting us, please consider doing so on Patreon. And if you are already supporting us, we thank you. You can click that Patreon support support button there on the right-hand side of our page. You can also look at some other things on our website, travelingthevortex.com. A portion of those proceeds of things you buy through those retailers also go back into this show. Anything else this week, fellas? Does it for me. Are That's you sure? It. Are yes. you positive? Only fools are positive. If that's going to do it for this week, <laughs> until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you on Skype. <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> I have a knock, knock joke. Is nobody going to bite, really? Who's, Who's there? there? Thank you. Thank you, who? No, I don't want to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.